Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Chris Evans here. A big thank you for downloading our Virgin Radio podcast. Coming up on this week's edition of The Best of the Breakfast Show with Sky, Rob Brydon chats his upcoming tour, Songs and Stories. Tony Riddle, the Barefoot Runner, tells us about undertaking the gruelling National Three Barefoot Peaks. And former Speaker of the House of Commons, John Burko, discusses his new autobiography, Unspeakable. Plus, Marie Forleo, Dr Rahul Jandial, Francis O'Connor, and so much more all to come. Enjoy. His brand new tour, Songs and Stories, starts later this month and he's soon to be seen tripping around Greece with Steve Coogan in the final series of The Trip on Sky One. Please welcome a man that leaves a good impression no matter where he goes. It's the one and only Rob Brydon. Good morning, Roberto. Good morning, Chris. Sorry I'm late. Don't worry about that, my friend. Um, It's a jungle out there. Hang on a minute. Um... Did I did, the final series of the trip? Yeah, well, we yes, it, what? it's become the final series. We, we, we've done four, Chris. Come on, we love everybody loves the There's trip. There's only so many times you can talk like <laughs> no, that. No, 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 no. <laughs> There's only so many times you can say that is not how he talks. Um, right, well, this is uh, on Sky now. We've got this big uh, Sky season launch. It's called Up Next. It's tomorrow. Mm. It's the showcase of all and some amazing content coming up in the next um, six uh, to twelve months. And let Loads of people are actually turning up. So you're turning up. Steve's going to turn yeah, up. Yeah. Now, um, I'll be hosting it a bit on, well, a lot on stage. So when I come to you guys, we haven't got long, right? Everybody's mm-hmm. like, David Schwimmer's going to be there and Ramesh Ranganathan's there. And, like, so many names and faces are there. And what's happened is, Rob, just so you know, yeah. is that more people said yes than they expected. <laughs> so now it's caused a bit of an issue. <laughs> so so a quick, you know, and everybody's going to love listening to you and Steve. But say, say we've got three or four minutes. Yeah. What, what do you want to do? Oh boy! I think you should just get Steve to do his Neil Kinnock impression. That—that's. I'm happy when he's doing his Neil Kinnock impression. <laughs> it is. It's not contemporary, but then none of our impressions are. You know, it is like welcome to 1976. <laughs> why? Why does his Neil Kinnock um, impression particularly? Why, why does that? that well, get, it's get a Welsh going? voice, so so I can I I can. I can do a checklist on it, and I can say, "Yeah, that is very good," right. you know. And it's and he's he gets the up and the down, and I mean, I can't do it, you know. It's uh, so, I, and also it slightly annoys him because he doesn't really like doing impressions. <laughs> <laughs> he, you see, with the the Oscars and all this stuff, he feels a little bit above it. Right. So whenever you can ask him to do impressions, you see, he slightly bristles. But isn't it funny because every acting role is an impression of the person, the, the, the you know the character. So that you're inhabiting. Chris, you took the words out of my mouth. <laughs> this is what I tell him. He goes, no, no, it's, it's not true. It's not true. It's a higher art. <laughs> right, so anyway, uh, we'll talk a bit more about that in a while. But uh, Rob's on uh, to talk about Songs and Stories, the tour. Uh, starts the 26th of Feb till the 30th of April. Uh, you can get tickets at robbryden.live. Um, uh, and it says here, forward slash, uh, the trip to Greece, Sky One. That's something different, isn't it? That You don't get that on, you can't go on the trip via the website. <laughs> yeah, can you? you can book, come with us. Yeah. So maybe there could be a fifth series, who knows? <laughs> um, so if, if the songs yes. uh, and the stories from your tour had a fight, yes. which would win? Ooh, ooh, question. <laughs> um, 
Oh, good lord! Uh, well, I hope the song. Well, maybe the songs because the band. I had the first rehearsal yesterday with the band. They are astonishing. It's an eight-piece band. There's cello. There's woodwind. There's brush. It sounds fantastic. But there will be jokes. I will be telling stories. I will be doing impressions. There will be a visit from Uncle Bryn, from Gavin and Stacey. So, you know, there's, there'll be something for everyone. And how is the uh, post-Christmas um, Gavin and Stacey afterglow for you? 18 million viewers and people are still watching. It's it. astonishing. The weird thing about Gavin and Stacey is that since it finished nine, ten years ago, it's only got bigger, you yeah. know, in that time. It's just got bigger and there's so much love for it. So when the Christmas special was coming up, I knew it was good. Obviously, I was there when we filmed it. And then I watched it <laughs> and I thought, this is great. But I, was, I wasn't sure it was going to get the biggest audience. I thought, well, it could be Mrs. Brown, could be Michael McIntyre, any, any of these big audiences. And then it just went Boom. whoosh. I know. And people loved it. So what can you tell us about what may have happened as a result of that? In what sense, Christopher? What do you think? What do you think I'm suggesting? I don't know. What do you mean? Did Smithy say yes? Is that is that what you mean? No, no, no. I mean, what? like, are, are we going to get any oh, more? Oh, we're going to get any more. Oh, well, I got into trouble. I went to the NTAs and they said to me on the line, you must you must want to do more. And I don't want to be diffident, but I said, well, not really. I mean, I'm, I'm quite happy to leave it there yeah, yeah, because yeah. I love when people want more. You know, I love it if you've done something and people are saying, oh, I want more. I think that's, the, that's where you want to be. And, uh, and then I saw things, oh, he puts the dampeners on. He doesn't want to do it. I would do it if they wanted to do it. Yeah, yeah. But equally, I don't know how we'd ever top that. You know, that because it came back, it was such a surprise to people that they were going to do it. Nobody more so than me. I had no idea. And James phoned up one day, totally out of the blue, and said, oh, yeah, we've written it, and, you know, do you want to do it? I said, wow. So... It would be nice if, they, if if we did more, but I don't see it happening anytime soon. But so, so what you were doing there, you were responding honestly. Yes, yeah, I learned my <laughs> shock, lesson. Shock yeah. horror. Yeah. That's exact, Chris. That is exactly right. And of course, then that gets taken because, because of course, I understand the media want a bit of conflict and drama. But I was just being honest and saying, well, no, I'd be quite happy to leave it. You know, we, we've we've done it. I love going out on a high. It's like a comedian's instinct, isn't it, yeah. to get off the stage at the right time, you know, yeah. not hang about. Um, and also for the gang doing it, you know, it, it is good fun, but you've all got other stuff going on and it's just part of the whole rainbow uh, of joy that you're lucky enough to get to do what you do. Yeah, yeah, it was and you was fun. It was it was the happiest job yeah. I've ever and done. Sometimes it's best people. to leave it at fun as well. That's what I think, leave yeah. So when people come to see you, do your last tour was how many dates? Your last 40 odd, isn't it? I honestly don't it was know. Loads, oh, no, the it? last two are a ton, over 100 probably, yeah, yeah. Right, will it be the same gang? Uh, same gang, same gang to come gang see of people. You. Yeah, it'll be some, and then maybe some new ones. You, okay. you hopefully the same people come. You know, you look after them, and they want to come back, yeah, and they yeah. want to see you again. And you build up a sort of a family. You yes, know? kind of in anything I've ever done is you want to build a relationship so people think. Yeah, I, I remember how I felt when... It's all about feeling. I remember how I felt when I went to see this person. Yeah, yeah. I want to feel like that again. Yeah, yeah. So I'm going to go back and see them. And we heard, we heard that great uh, fun fact from the weekend yesterday, um, which is that when you laugh... Yeah. 
that's the only time your fight or flight system isn't operating. Oh, yeah, that's and that's why people go. And so the, you, when you laugh, you feel truly liberated yes. from everything, including yes. yourself. Well, it's, I do well, think, I think it's a drug. I think music may do it as well. I think music, but particularly comedians. I think people, when you find a comedian you love, it's giving you such a good feeling inside. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's what you want. You want that feeling. So you go, oh, great, I'm going to go there. I'm, I'm, I'm going to feel great for an hour and a half, however long it is. Rob Brydon, Songs and Stories, 26th of Feb, 30th of April, will be there. I hope to see you there as well. Robbryden.live for details and tickets. Uh, and tickets, oh, yes. <laughs> no good, just the details. <laughs> the best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky on Virgin Radio. He served as Speaker under four Prime Ministers and is one of the only political figures to be instantly recognised by two words. His book, Unspeakable, is out now. So right, honourable ladies and gentlemen, please welcome... The author of the book must be heard! It's John Burke. <laughs> okay, good, good morning, John. Good morning, Chris. Thank you for having me on your show. You are very welcome. You are, you are literally all over the place. You've been interviewed in almost every sort of weekend magazine. Your book has been reviewed uh, to within an inch of its life. How have you found the last few days since the book has been out? Huge fun. It's a great opportunity to get out, to try to sell one's messages and to engage with people. And inevitably, of course, it's a mixed bag. It's unpredictable. Different people have different opinions. That's the joy and vibrancy of democracy. Some people will like my book, some people won't. I'm completely relaxed about that. I would just like to trumpet it as strongly as I can. And I suppose just to underline the point that it's Merely my candid account, Chris, of my topsy-turvy existence. The thing about Brexit was, you know, they say... they. One of my favourite quotes of all time is people do not buy how they think. They buy usually with their emotional brain and they think with their intellectual brain. And, you know, and Brexit was a very emotional sort of uh, buy, wasn't it, in a way? Um, yeah, maybe, that's maybe a that's, good point. That's what won it for... Yeah, for, I don't think the judgment was made by the electorate on the basis of a study of the intricacies yeah, of feeling. the customs union or the single market. I think people had an instinctive sense. And the further away you got from London, the more people resented the political establishment. And I absolutely admit that I, for one, underestimated that. I thought, on balance, that David Cameron probably would win and remain would win, not by a huge margin. But a lot of people felt that they were ignored, downtrodden, not heard, disrespected. And that all played into the way in which they voted in the referendum. I said this to somebody, they didn't like it and they wanted to move on, uh, having the same conversation on the show. I said, you know, the thing about the, the two campaigns is remain is a stationary word. It yeah. is a verb in a way, but it doesn't suggest movement. And leave suggests movement. And as human beings, we are programmed to progress. Chris, have you ever thought of giving up your very lucrative career as a broadcaster and operating as a political consultant? Because I think you'd probably be able to offer some pretty wise <laughs> advice about how people should play to the emotions. And deploy emotional intellegence rather yeah, well, than just sort think, of intellectual intelligence. But I think if you play to, if you, if you, if you, if I did that, for example, I know it's a joke, but if say, say I did that, mm. and we have experience of it because we have distance, and distance can be very useful. We're not as clever as people that are involved in the, the hubbub of things, but we, perspective can sometimes outdo intellect. And also because we're relaxed, we don't get caught up in the knot of of sense, as it were. So, so we can see things; it's all fine. But you couldn't. I don't think you could employ that as a play because that would be morally wrong. But what you could do is point out to the side that may be being played that they are being.
being played yeah. and then let them do what they have to do. That's yeah. what that's what, what I think is quite interesting. But if you take an emotional a situation, an emotional vote, an emotional election, an emotional result in, into the House of Commons, the emotion continues. And that's what we saw, wasn't it? It was all this, it was four years of emotion. It was like, oh my God, somebody put this fire out. Well, I think there was a real parallel between Parliament and the country. People often make the point that Parliament didn't resolve Brexit until the 59th minute after the 11th hour, you know, by resolving to have a general election. But I think my point is that Parliament was divided as the country was divided. And just as the country kept debating Brexit and in the end was suffering from Brexit fatigue, Chris, the House of Commons, in a sense, was suffering from Brexit fatigue as well. The arguments were played out over and over and over again. And people felt they had to make their point over and over and over again because the other side was doing so. Yeah. Not just the other side of the House, but the other side of the argument. So in the end, although colleagues frequently perform brilliantly, and I've got huge respect for my parliamentary colleagues, I think some of the irascibility that you found in the country was played out in the chamber. People were getting fed up with each other. Yeah. And part of it was fatigue and tiredness and exhaustion, really. Now it's all over, you know, a new beginning. Your identity was Speaker of the House of Commons. Obviously, you're a person within your own right, and you're a husband, you're a dad, and all those other things that go on. But what are you now? What, what do you see now for the next five, ten years? Or is there a plan? What do you want to do? Well, I'm going to try to earn a living, have some fun and do some good. I'm doing a lot of public speaking. My late father used to say, John, generally speaking, is generally speaking. And I'm doing a lot of public speaking, principally to commercial audiences and so on. I've got an academic post at Royal Holloway College, London University. I love universities and I enjoy going to them, talking to students, hearing from them, engaging with them. I'm chancellor of my old university, the University of Essex, a fantastic institution to which I feel but they're everlasting all, they're gratitude. They're all labels, though. What do you, what do you, what do you want to be inside? What where's do the, I want to the, be Where's inside? the ambition? Where's the ambition? I don't have an ambition for any elected office. Right. I feel that the pinnacle of my career was to serve as speaker, which was a huge privilege. I'm completely relaxed about the fact that some people will think I did a good job and other people won't. I did it honestly. I tried to be a reformer. I tried to keep the best and improve the rest. If you ask me what do I want to do now... By the way, that can include putting your feet up by a lovely sandy beach somewhere. You don't have to do things that... Well, I could do a little bit of that, but, you know, I'm 57 and I've got a wife that I want to support who does a fantastic job in the home, but I want to support her and our three children by working and realistically I need to continue working for some time to come. So I don't really have a great career plan as such but i'm enjoying the things i'm doing it sounds to me like you're thinking out loud there you know you want to do you want to find a higher purpose you know become a force for good and you're just having a little think about those well things, i don't think it? it's a great idea to jump into things you know i think when you leave a role there's a lot to be said for taking a period in which you reflect and you talk to people and you hear from people and you don't rush into commitments going at them if you like half cock and then regretting it so Quite a lot of people whom I very much respect, commercial people and others, said to me, John, take at take, least take six five. months yeah, yeah. You know, and think okay. about it. Here is little Freya, Dapper Dave's daughter, who's yet to reach her second birthday. Is that correct? Um, asking for water. Who might she sound like? Water. Water. <laughs> that's her water, water. Well, uh, very good. But that's her order, order. Water. Water. Did you say it's Freya? Yeah, Freya, yeah. Can I ask Freya if one day she'd like to be Speaker of the House of Commons? Well, I think she's pretty much uh, in the groove already. Here you are together. Order! 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 
<laughs> the best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky on Virgin Radio. He's an ultramarathon runner that has none of the gear and all of the ideas. In May, he's doing the National 3 Bear Peaks Challenge entirely on foot, which sees him running two marathons a day for nine days in a row. Please welcome a man that has to be fit as a fiddle. It's Tony Riddle. Morning, fit as a fiddle, Tony Riddle. How are you? What a great intro. <laughs> he's, no, he's, no pressure. He's right? the best. He's the it's best. It's awesome. When did you hatch this little plan, this little beauty, Tony? Well, it was off the back. I ran Land's End to John O'Groats. Um, 30 days so I did 30 miles a day for 30 days September. Bare, in September barefoot it was basically to raise awareness sustainability in the environment so that was one and then I kind of hatched this plan that I can be oh, okay these events are great for that so the next one will be about almost like offsetting we want, we're, we're going to ask people to recycle and log what they're doing over that period of time or offset so you could be rewilding Britain offset trees or terra nutria and just offsetting carbon for those nine days that I run, that was kind of behind it. Um, so I, through that process, it was like, okay, I want to do the three peaks. I'd heard so much about the three peaks. How can we flip it? So rather than drive between the peaks, as in the carbon footprint of driving, let's run it. Let's run the 485. <laughs> and I had to give it a bit of time because we just had a new baby in, um, in October. So it's literally... Congratulations. Yeah, thanks, man. So Katerina was pregnant. They came with me, the whole family, the whole crew were with us on the September run. And then I had to give it a bit of time, you know, to land. And everyone was like, what's the next one? What's the next one? I said, well, we're going, we've got a son. That's what's the next thing. That's the next challenge. Looking forward to that. We'll invite that in. And then it's always some, some for some reason, it's around Christmas and New Year. I go, I know. <laughs> I think it's just having the time, yeah. you know, the time away from everything. And does your wife say he's, he's got that look about him again? He's hatching a pl- plan. Yeah, well, the bigger plan is, you know, I'm going to do that. And then over the next, it's uh, X amount of years until I'm, 50. So the idea is to interview sustainability experts over a period of time, raise awareness for the environment. And then I want to visit all the indigenous populations around the world and interview the true environmentalists. You know, the three bear peaks challenge from Wednesday, the 6th to Friday, the 15th of May. Follow him at TonyRiddle.com. And also he's all over Instagram. Um, a lot of the time, uh, great life hacks there. Uh, fantastic tips on just how to live more naturally, even if you can't live in nature. It's at the natural lifestylist. And one of your big, one of the, your big sort of taglines is uh, if you can't live in nature, you can still live naturally or as close to naturally as possible is possible for you. Yeah, like we can't all live in nature, but it does doesn't mean we can't live naturally or at least find natural ways of living in what would be an urban environment. And why is that important? Well, 83% of the UK live in urban environments, right? And we spend 90% of that time indoors. Let's say the bedroom you spend how many hours? Eight, ten. Eight, ten, yeah. right? Any sleep study would suggest eight, right? So you're breathing in and out the same air in the same room. Some people might have been in that same bedroom. I know people that have been in the same bedroom for 20 years, right? So firstly, it's the sensory experience. They're in the same linear box for 20 years, um, breathing in and out the same materials. So that can be benzene, xylene, formaldehyde. They're all neurotoxins, right? So you have the sensory deprivation from the environment because you're living in the same box, so that then dumbs down the neurological system. Then it can be the toxins that we're inhaling, which can dumb down the sensory and neurological system. So I would bring more nature in, more plants, um, more green, more stuff to stimulate the ancestral eye. But you can also use something very simple that gets you down regulated, and that's breath. So simple breathing techniques. So there's tempos like a four-second inhale and a six-second out. There's a four-second inhale and a six-second out, and you nasal breathe. Um, six cycles of that is just a minute and that's 
just enough to send you under. But it drops you in and then you can go into rest and digest. Why rest and digest? Well, that's exactly what it is. That's how we prepare ourselves for sleep. It's how we digest our food because everything's restful. So there's the environment will change. Can you tell us about amber light, please? Absolutely. So um, melatonin is, we lord it as a sleep hormone, but we don't really respect it. So it has, it's a regulatory system for your digestion. So it controls ghrelin, ghrelin being a hormone that suggests, ah, I need to eat, right? So melatonin suppresses that. Melatonin picks up or peaks leptin, which is then a hormone that tells you I'm satiated. So imagine without those, you're, I'm hungry and I haven't had enough food, that's kicking off. So melatonin will, will, will regulate that whole system. When you get to the evening and the sun goes down, melatonin starts to rise should be rising in a natural situation. You know I was saying use nature as a filter. Let's say we're in the savannah right now. Sun, sun sets, right? So then I go through all the way through and then by 10 p.m. melatonin is at its peak. And melatonin then helps synthesize stuff like human growth hormone, right? Um, apoptosis, which is how you transform unhealthy cells into healthy cells, melatonin, right? So it has roles within, they suggest within cancer, um, we've done st studies that suggest night shift workers versus day shift workers, right? Um, night shift workers have high rates of breast cancer and prostate cancer to day shift workers. Blind people aren't exposed to blue spectrums of light, have like this NHS study, they have like 11 hours of melatonin. So that's kind of the natural melatonin cycle. Um, and they have the 35 to 50% less cases of breast and prostate cancer. The study is this, right? So they show a simulated night shift experiment versus a sleep chamber darkness. And then they have a simulated night shift worker experience, but wearing amber glasses or blue blocking glasses, which block the blue and green spectrums of light that are picked up by the suprachiasmatic nucleus, which suppresses melatonin, right? right? Okay. <laughs> so good. so um, when we suppress that melatonin, Again, it's, it's the regulatory system of your hormones, it's the cellular behavior, it's human growth hormone, all those factors, not just the sleep hormone, you know. Um, so what they show in that study is the night shift workers, when they do a melatonin test in the morning, there's no uh, melatonin in their system because they've been surrounded by blue and green spectrums, that's suppressing it. They then show the dark chamber, full melatonin, like the blind person study, and then they show people that have worked in the same simulated experience with the same blue and green spectrums, but wearing blue blocking glasses, they have the same levels of melatonin as the dark. So if you're a night shift worker, or even you're at home and you're working, like I sometimes have to sit, I'm writing a book at the moment, so for me it's like uh, in front of a screen sometimes, how do I mitigate that? Well, I just put amber glasses on, then I know my hormones are in check, my metabolism in check, my cellular health is in check, and I know my digestion's in check. And then I don't need to be asleep. Well, you look know? very alive. It's great to meet you. A great Tony. conversation. Can, we, can you. you come and see us again? Sometime? I'd love to. All right. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky on Virgin Radio. We've heard from three guests already, but there's loads more still to come. Marie Folio discusses her talk, Everything is Figureoutable, from our Life Lessons Festival. Dr. Rahul Jandiel also chats his sold-out talk, Retraining the Brain. Francis O'Connor tells us all about Sky Atlantic's new family drama, The End. And Henry Firth and Ian Theesby share recipes from their third book because they are the Bosch Boys, Bosch Healthy Vegan. All that and more, but first, Dapper Dave. 
Who's next? When Oprah Winfrey calls you a thought leader for the next generation, you've got to be doing something right. She sold out this weekend at Life Lessons Festival, so if you haven't got tickets, now's your chance to learn. Please welcome the author of Everything is Figureoutable. It's the radiant Marie Folio. Marie Folio. Now, you said you would come back, Marie, and you have come back. And I said, what else are you doing while you're here? And you said, I've just come back for you guys. Thank you, thank you, a thousand thank yous. Oh, it's my pleasure. I was so excited to come back for the show and for Life Lessons. I adore you. So, we didn't, we didn't talk last time about, about your relationship with Oprah Winfrey. So how did that come about? That came about, honestly, I have loved Oprah my entire life and my entire career. And I've always dreamed of having just an opportunity even to meet her. And it was about 2011, 2012. And I get an email in from a set of producers. And they were looking at wanting to do a show with Oprah. So, of course, you know, my jaw hit the floor. And they said, <laughs> you know, we're looking for a, a panel. We want to do something with thought leaders for the next generation. No one had ever called me that before. And I'm like, who are they talking about? Anyway, we went through the round of talking with producers. And I will tell you, it was an ironic, just this experience of getting on a plane when I had watched the Oprah Winfrey (laughs) show for so long and then getting in the hotel where it's like, guest of the Oprah Winfrey show will stay at. And I'm like, I'm here. I'm on Miracle Mile. (laughs) It was the most incredible experience meeting her. She is more warm. She is more heartfelt. She is even better in person. What, what What does she and what do her team like about what you have to say? I think what they were excited about, in particular with me, is that I'd been doing the work for quite some time and that there was a groundedness to it, that there was a down-to-earthness to it, and that it wasn't based necessarily in just ideas or theories, but that I had been doing the work and I had been helping people for so long. Um, I think that's it. I know when I had done a talk for Oprah, she had this thing called Super Soul Sessions, which is where I first talked about everything is outable, and I got off stage, and Oprah's like, girl, you can tell a story, and she gave me a high five. <laughs> but you really can tell a story. Thank you. Uh, you're brilliant into communicating you're also a fantastic listener you've got lovely time you've got lovely rhythm to your thoughts and uh, to, your, to your voice a uh, lovely meter can I your... just come here every day though? I'm just going <laughs> to come here like anytime I feel bad about myself I'm coming on the Chris I... Evans show well I hope you never do do you ever feel bad about yourself oh absolutely I'm human I absolutely do there's times when I feel like I think like most humans this this age we feel like we're not moving fast enough we're not where we should be by now sometimes yeah. you know the mind can take over yeah, the yeah. human mind uh, but luckily I have good friends I have a great team and I actually actually practice what I teach so I have some tools to pull myself back out when I get in those places. All right, so that's the framing. Uh, give us some give us some take home straight away. What are the tenets uh, of your philosophy about life? Well, I'll tell you. Right now for me, simplify to amplify is making a big comeback. I just think that most people feel so overwhelmed and overstretched and overcommitted yet undersatisfied with the quality of their life because they're consuming just too much on their phones and they're trying to do too many things and spread too thin. And for me, I'm like, what are the handful of things that I want to focus on that I want to strengthen, that I want to achieve, that's going to make me the happiest, the most fulfilled and allow me to contribute the most. And so saying no and getting on what I call the first class ticket on the no train, that is, (laughs) I'll tell you, you were a big yes for me, but there's many things that come up that I'm like, no, 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 no. Because whatever you say yes to intrinsically means you're saying no to all of these other things and you're stretching yourself too thin. One tip I'll give people. If you wouldn't say yes and be excited to do something tomorrow, don't put it in your calendar for six months because it will roll around and you'll be like, why did I say yes to that thing? I want to get out of it. Should I make up that I'm sick? You know, I need to take care of my kid. So anyway, that helps. And that takes up all the brain space as well. Just the dithering and the the dallying. is It's it's just no good. I had a great thing yesterday. Um, Either uh, if if you're providing a service for someone, right, it's either... At your behest, your choice, it's either free, you provide it for free, or full charge, but never in between. Oh, can I tell you what I am? 
expensivebutworthit.com. I am in agreement with you 110%. All the content that we create through our show or online or through social media, I'm like, I will give my best stuff away for free. But if you want me to come train you or you want to have an experience with me, it's going to be at a premium price because I will over deliver and over deliver. But it's, it's that, but it's also, and it is that, but it's also... If you're doing, if you're willing to do it for free, there must be a, a greater reason behind a higher purpose. So that's fantastic. Yes. If you charge full price for it, it's because somebody really wants you. If you find yourself in the middle, you're not neither doing it because somebody wants you or because there's a higher purpose to it. So you're wasting your time. Yes. And you know what? It never feels joyful. You're never going to make the contribution at the level that's possible for you. And then all of a sudden you're in this middle land of mediocrity, which is the worst place to be in our relationships and our work life and our career anywhere. So I'm with you. It's either free or or expensive, and you're fantastic. Yeah, and when you say, you know, this this thing about, no, Greg McEwen's book, Essentialism, which I'm sure you've yes, read. Have you met Greg? It. I haven't, but I love his He's book. the kind of person you'd have on your show, isn't he? He's, yes. he's very Mark Mantony, I think. In fact, I think they talk about a lot of the same things together. Uh, but Greg McEwen says, you know, if you want this test of should I do it or should I not do it, he said a simple test. He said it's not bomb-proof, but it's pretty pretty close. It's, it's either hell yeah or no. Yes. So can I give you another one on that? Yeah, please. So sometimes <laughs> people get confused whether or not it's fear or intuition like are they afraid because this is a big opportunity or is it intuition telling them uh, 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 this is going to cost you a lot in the long run and so what I advise people to do is close your eyes go inside and you do a body test you ask yourself does the idea of saying yes to this opportunity make me feel expansive or contracted we all have a body truth that we often don't listen to contracted is this feeling of dread or a sense of pulling back or your shoulders hunching down or just something saying no expansive feels like a spark of joy or your chest lifts up or even if it's terrifying because you've never done it and there's a lot of self-doubt you're like this is going to be awesome your body says yes so ask yourself does the idea of saying yes to this opportunity make me feel expansive or contracted contracted's a no expansive is a hell yes the best of the chris evans breakfast show with Sky on Virgin Radio. He's a neuroscientist, brain surgeon, Sunday Times best-selling author, has cool tattoos and is very handsome. Basically, he must try harder. His book, Life Lessons from a Brain Surgeon, is out now and he's at Life Lessons Festival this weekend telling us exactly why your grey matter matters. Please welcome the wonderful Dr. Rahul Jandayal. Good morning, Dr. Rahul. one correction right away, one tattoo, not tattoos. Really? And I got it 20 years ago when it was bikers and gangsters. And so when I was training for medical school, they always thought I was part of the custodial staff. And they asked me to mop up the blood sometimes, and I said, I'm happy to do that as long as I get to operate as well. Well, maybe it's time for another. Maybe this Tattoo. is the weekend. Yeah. Is it, well, life lessons, and that's a good one to go for. <laughs> yes, it is. In your book, well, which is amazing, you, you say and you do many things, Thank and you. you walk us through uh, some very complicated situations, and you distill it down for us. You do all the heavy lifting, so we might have an idea of what the yeah. brain is about. Uh, but you do myth bust. It, you know, is this myth true? Is there anything to do with it? Where did this myth come from? We hear all the time, most of us go through life using uh, or accessing only 20% of our brain, uh, leaving 80% on. Un- uh, and, uh, used uh, so is like now <laughs> so, yeah. so, so, uh, so is that true first of all it's complete nonsense ah, it makes for a good story yeah. Scarlett Johansson that movie Lucy and she can tap into her powers and I think Bradley Cooper had a movie where he took a pill and there were these deep powers he harnessed it's just complete nonsense and until we had these fancy MRI machines the myth perpetuated but now when you put in poets artists addicts into a machine, you see that all corners of the brain will light up. Blood flows to all corners of the brain. Where it comes from is, since the brain is such an energy hog, it's only three pounds and it uses 20% of your blood flow, 
you don't want to have it all dialed up all the time. If you're riding the tube or LA freeways, you actually want to use as little as possible to get the job done to be efficient. So to do something, you might only use 20% of your brain. Right. But it's not like there are corners of your brain that have not been tapped into. Okay, lovely, another lovely phrase uh, that I like is that what's the point of having a, having a mind if you never change it? Mm, um, how, yeah. how, how can we change our mind? Because often emotions affect the way we think and then more thinking uh, uh, exacerbates those emotions. Emotions and there's, that's a, a silly old tug of war that's going on there. And it must have a purpose, but it's more short term than long term. If we want to change our mind long term for something that we think will really sort of help us out and, and sort of give us a different, more yeah. aspirational pathway, how might we do that? Yeah, so uh, there's two things here. So one is habits. So wanting to change your mind might be because you're in a habit you don't like. Habits are good. They're an efficient way for the brain not to have to use all 100% to get things done. But if the habit gets you into a rut, like you're coming down a mountain and it forces you to uh, go down a certain ski slope and you want to change that, that's going to take energy. And what I say is the compartmentalization of emotional brain, smart brain, simple brain, smart, you know, personality types, that it's, it's not nuanced enough. The heart is a pump. The joints are, you know, they're like engineering. But the, the brain has two canopies. So if you look at other animals, the back part of our head, you know, above your ear and backwards and then through your mouth, like if you think of the brain as a mushroom with a stalk, that back part, a lot of animals share. What we have is this frontal lobes that pushed our foreheads forward. And the, the right be behind your forehead is thought, is creativity, is the executive function. But rather than saying we want to be only frontal lobe-ish, or if we only want to be instinctive brainish, it's really the nuance of both. And when you want to change your mind, it really depends on the scenario. If you are being chased in an alley, it's not a time to be using your frontal lobe. You want to rely on those assets of your emotional instinctive brain, that same part of the brain that makes you feel disgusted when you smell vomit. That, that is built into us. Now, if the emotional brain is stressed out and dialed up like a thermostat and you're just getting home and you miss the train, then you want to bring in your thinking brain and say, hey, this stress isn't appropriate. So it's always a duality of what ratio that is. And I would say, it's, I am new every day. If you think about the complexity of our minds, I am not my former self. I came here and you supported me and I became a best-selling author. That changed the way I see myself, not just the way other people see me. So I am different than when I was 18, when I dropped out of college, when I was a security guard. I'm different than I was before I fell in love, after I fell in love. So rather than thinking about 8 billion people as some cohesive, I can give you an answer about the brain, what I would say is, I'm trying to understand just myself, my former self, and my future self. So I think that's a very uplifting message that no triumph or tragedy is permanent and you can change your habits <laughs> as you have. Marie, your, your jaw is dropping here. Oh, uh, yeah. He's well, good, isn't he? He's wonderful. I'm also thinking, though, too, about I'm curious what you feel about just the idea that repetition is a key principle in neuroplasticity. So, for example, we talk about in everything is figure outable. The more that you repeat that phrase, the more it becomes a good habit, a habitual way of thinking or of seeing the world. Well, I would say two things to that. One, of course, repetition helps you. Athletes are an example of that. Yeah. All right. So practice helps. I don't believe it's at some 10,000 number. Like, you t I know surgeons who've done 10,000 operations and they're mediocre. So this magical number, like if I do 9,500, yeah. I'm not talented. And if I do 10,000 times or plus one, I can become an Olympic athlete. There is talent underneath that. But repetition is important. What I would say is belief is important. So the simplest example of that is placebo. <laughs> and what it does is 
it releases the pharmacy in our minds to believe this medicine will help me. It helps you because it's not the medicine that went in and did something. You release your own hormones, your own neurotransmitters, right? And the most interesting part about that is sometimes in these studies when we tell them, hey, listen, this is baloney. I don't, I don't know what the phrase here is in, in Europe for that, but I'm telling you I'm giving you a fake pill and it sometimes still has an effect. So that's the complexity and the potential of believing in something. And I'll, I work in a cancer center. And I always tell people at that time in their lives, there are no, no atheists in the cancer center because that, that belief serves them during this crisis. And they might not have had faith before or after. And I try to connect with them on that level, like whatever empowers you. You like to get scans, that works for you because you're sort of that person that I need to scan all the time. You have faith and you just want to trust in us. I'm there with you in your journey in your particular way, in the way your individual mind is dealing with this crisis. And positive thinking and repetition is part of that. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky on Virgin Radio. Sky Atlantic's brand new series, The End, will make you gasp, laugh and cry all within the first 10 minutes of episode one. It's available on demand now via your Sky Q. And here to tell us all about it is the Golden Globe nominated star of the show. Please welcome the wonderful Francis O'Connor. Good morning, Francis. Hi, how are you? Welcome, I'm very well. Uh, welcome to the jungle, and um, and well done on this program. It is absolutely fantastic. Thank you. It is Thank so you. good. I was supposed to watch uh, one episode last night because you were coming on. Yeah. I watched three, and then I just had to go. To, well, I had to try to go to sleep. I could have watched all of them. I'm sorry if we ruined your night. No, you really didn't. And my wife loved it too. Oh, great. Uh, so thank you so much for the program. And uh, now it does uh, it does concern itself with suicide, and uh, uh, whenever we talk about that and some other things, we must mention it on the radio. So we will be talking about suicide here. Now, um, it, bizarrely, in a very light-hearted fashion, but nevertheless, it is suicide. Uh, so, uh, Francis, um, tell us about. I, I just tried to outline the story to our other guests here. Uh, did you sort of get it from what I, I said? Got it instantly. Right. Okay. Good. Let's let's, uh, cool. let's hear similar like from the pro. So, to tell, get everybody to buy into this show now. Uh, I think it's a show uh, that I mean, it's called the end, but really, it's about what how we deal with our life you know and um and i think even though it deals with some kind of darker issues like euthanasia and uh and suicide it, it's really about human connection and 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 how we deal with life in the moment really right so your mum uh, yes. she's had enough Harry yeah. Walter. your dad has uh, has come and gone um yes. he had a story that she didn't know about yeah uh, we won't go too much in that because it's yeah. a spoiler and it's, it's a surprise so i wouldn't like to, to go any further yeah. with that um she tr tries to to end her own life um in it what turns out to be quite a comical way in 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 you know in the end for the end yeah but then the beginning of the end starts <laughs> yes and she finds herself in australia about a minute later from central london yeah she i i grew up with my mum um trying to commit suicide on several occasions and this is kind of the, her last attempt and it's she still doesn't succeed so she gets shipped out to australia where i'm going to look after her and i'm a palliative care doctor and we we really don't get on and it's kind of about how we kind of reconnect and kind of resolve some of our our issues yeah okay and you know it's awkward and it's you, you can't take your eyes because when 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 something's awkward on the telly or in the cinema or you know or, or even in print but it's but it's it's clever you, that's when it becomes compelling I yeah, think. yeah well i think if you're going to deal with a subject like euthanasia or assisted suicide you have to do it in a way that's life-affirming yeah. if that makes sense which is kind of a contradiction in terms but i think you don't want it, the show to be this earnest kind of exploration. No, no, of and it's really not. Either. And it's not. It's really funny and irreverent, and 
uh, and it has a darkness to it. My mother, just because she is quite a difficult person, and she's, uh, she's cool though. She's very cool. She is. <laughs> she's so still. Yeah. And she hits the bottle. So she's never. She hasn't drank in her whole life before. And then she hits the bottle so hard in the care home that she she <laughs> she she gate crashes a wedding between two seventy year olds because they mess at the care home. <laughs> And she doesn't want to. She's not invited to the wedding. She doesn't want to talk to anybody. She just wants to know where the nearest off license is. <laughs> is that right? Yeah, she makes up for lost time. That's for sure. Yeah, yeah. And one of the in Aust- a lot of different ways. One of the Australian ladies says, uh, "Hey Sheila, what's your story? Uh, by the way, keep your hands off all men. Ratio of fifteen women to one girl in here. That's my husband. I'm keeping him as close to me as away from you as I possibly can, or something like that, isn't it? Yeah. And that's the other thing that's really great about the show is that it doesn't patronise old people it kind of really i mean even the term old people is patronizing i think you know people who are of a certain age it doesn't patronize them and it sees them as real people with sexuality with humor with you know your daughter's going through puberty yes your son can't take his eyes off his smartphone yes he's questioning his own sexuality yeah so you've got all that going on as well yeah uh in half an hour this is yeah yeah we cover a lot of bases you do no it's a um Morgan, uh, the actor playing the, the role, was actually transitioning while we were shooting the, the series. And it's a, the character is a transgender kid who's transitioning from a girl to a boy and all of that that entails. Um, so, And he also, a year ago, had tried to kill himself because he didn't feel like he was in the right body. So, And your husband is in jail? And my husband's in jail. And your mum warned you about him before you met him. I've got a lot on my plate. Honestly, it is fun. I was saying before, TV is so good nowadays. It's never been better television, has it? I mean, I know there's there's a lot of uh, rubbish couch potato telly out there, but there's there's some very, very good stuff, and you don't have to mind very deeply to find it either nowadays. Yeah, I think it's great. I think the world of of TV's kind of opened up in terms of storytelling that we can really go anywhere now, and the audience are getting more and more sophisticated about how they're willing to come with us too. To what did you think of our conversation off the air Fantastic, before? yeah. It's nice to get in there. And you're talking about acting and about the fact that, you know, when you, when you put together a character, uh, you, you build a character, you almost build the brain for that character mm. and in a way that you find that sort of a, a great relief and a great exercise for, for your own existence. Yeah, well, I think cri- creativity is invigorating for everyone and you don't have to be an actor to do that. I think creativity is fundamental to being a human being and, uh, and it... And it and it's life affirming to do it. But yeah, I think I think acting you're kind of constantly reinventing yourself yeah. and it's it's very good for you. And we were born to create that. So I think yeah. primarily what we're yeah. here for. Yeah. Uh, Marie, um, before you go some parting words please for us anything you damn well like. Well, for me, uh, I am my show every time with this. It's um, stay on your game and keep going for your dreams because the world needs that special gift that only you have. So don't steal it from us. Share it. Okay, great. The best of the Chris Evans breakfast show with Sky on Virgin Radio. Whether you're born to eat corn or say see ya to soya, you need to listen to our next guest. Their hit show, Living on the Veg, continues this Sunday morning on ITV and their new book, Bosch Healthy Vegan, is out now. Please welcome the purveyors of the finest nosh from the land of Bosch. It's Henry <laughs> Firth and Ian Theesby. Okay. Thank you no, very much for that, man. Thanks for having us. Your intro nearly ate itself there, David. <laughs> I ran out of breath, I'm really sorry. <laughs> okay, no problem. Uh, well, I hope it's worth it. No, it was worth it. All right, so um, Living on the Veg continues Sunday at half past ten. You were massive on YouTube. That's where you were born. Thank you. 
you, YouTube. Uh, thank you, Lord. Uh, thank you, the universe. Uh, but then ITV said, well, we'll have a bit of the, the Bosch Boys. And it's going very well, isn't it? How cool is that? Yeah, we, we're really excited to have a show. Mm. And um, it's us. People can see us cooking. We're cooking loads of plant-based classics. So loads of your favourites from the Bosch books or the Bish Bash Bosch books. Mostly me and Ian just messing around in the kitchen. Yeah. But we have also got a load of stellar guests on as well. So it's yeah. been a real amazing experience. Didn't get the invite, did you? Hopefully we'll get another series. Time <laughs> you will definitely get another series because I, uh, your audience share is huge, isn't it, on a Sunday morning? We, uh, it's a good time slot. Is yes. what I'm hearing. Mm. We, we don't, we're not really into that stuff, but um, I think it's going well. Definitely people love it on <laughs> no, Twitter. I so know, it, I know it's uh, going well. Uh, really? I think a good indication that it's doing well is my mum texted me on the Saturday <laughs> following um, the first show and she was like, you're on the TV. And I was like, yeah, yeah, I know. Sunday morning is 10.30am ITV. And she's like, no, right now it's Saturday. And so they're rerunning the show, which we didn't know was happening. Well, so no, that's, well, that's what thing. they did. I mean, the thing with cookery shows, and there are some genres like this, usually factual entertainment, you, you'll be on the telly forever. Even with, if you just did these eight shows, you know, you could buy Dubai. I think ours is pretty solid because it's the first vegan cooking show. Yeah. Which, which we're obviously very honoured to be a part of. Uh, what is the rainbow ratio about the 50-25-25 that you bang on about all the time? Well, so, you know, people eat plant-based and think that's healthy, but it doesn't have to be healthy. You can eat, like, loads of burgers and lasagnas, and that's probably not really what you should be eating. In fact, if you end up eating loads of beige food on a vegan diet, you might not be getting the right nutrients. So we like to say, eat the rainbow, get as much colour in as you can, mm -hmm. and think about 50% of your plate being fruits and vegetables, about 25% should should be whole grains and about 25% should be protein so that's like your beans your pulses your nuts etc mm -hmm. okay and you talk about fakeaways don't you fakeaways yeah. <laughs> yeah. do you talk about fakeaways we, we, have... we do we do yes okay yeah. <laughs> i thought it was a typo <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, they don't no, no. we do, they don't we talk do. about fakeaways yeah. oh, this is really embarrassing yeah. tell us about fakeaways so um, when we write our recipes <laughs> we're always trying to sort of hark back to what we used to eat and the sort of things that people don't want to miss so we can't recreate the things like your chinese takeaway stuff or your curry or your pizza so we try and get that hearty food that everyone's like used to eating and just make it plant-based okay so because we have an emotional connection with that don't we mm, and that's yes. the thing about food isn't it? that's why it's it's uh, has such a hold over us exactly you know we were mm. talking uh, a couple of days ago to uh, another guest the, the amazing tony riddle and uh, tony was telling us about you know on, on those occasions where uh, a little a little kid will fall over and maybe graze their knee and be in absolute floods of tears mum mm -hmm. uh, and dad especially granddad and granddad will go oh come here sweetheart and they'll dab the knee down and say come on let's get your chocolate bar like yeah, Chris and so the emotional connection is um, Mars bar equals love mm, and yeah. you take that with you for the rest of your life which is okay short term but long term no offence to Mars let's you know substitute any kind of mm. confectionery for any kind of brackets that you'd like yeah. uh, but may not be such a good um, a, a good message so, but, but however is you can replace exactly. the, mm. the emotional uh, connection with some kind of healthy underbelly yeah. Exactly. Um, not so much of the belly. Even for maybe. us, being plant-based, it just makes sense. So, like, fish and chips. I used to get that all the time yeah. on the way home from work after a bad day. Yep. Now we make toe fish and chips, which yeah. is basically the same thing, but you've got tofu in the middle. And you've got a great, whopping great, naughty burger on the front cover. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You naughty burger. <laughs> uh, tell us about tofu, tofu uh, fish and tofu. How do you say it? What's the best way to say it? Tofu or tofish. Toe fish yeah. and chips. So, okay, so so the batter there is the thing that's going to interest me most because that's the best bit of fish and chips. Yeah, so the batter is, we c you can use 
a, a, an ale uh, with a bit of um, some milk and Dairy a little bit milk, of some um, flour. It's so we can still easy. have proper batter. It's the same, yeah. yeah, of, yeah. Course, okay. of course. But the tofu is the main thing. It's like what you want to do with that is you want to press the firm tofu and then you want to rehydrate it with a really nice flavouring, like uh, wrap it in nori, freeze it off so it kind of expands. And then when you fry it, all the oil gets into the, thing, into the sort of fibres of the tofu and it gives a really wonderful kind of fishy texture. Really, really delicious. And now, you, now you're on mainstream telly, mm-hmm. you know, um, your YouTube um, massive, you know, are they, are they still in love with you or are they outside you, you know, your house is protesting saying, you no, know, no. <laughs> you've left us, you've, you've deserted us. No, 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 us. I think our, our relationship with our audience is hopefully as strong as ever and we'll keep making free recipes for them on mm-hmm. our channels. You know, what, what we do is we make free videos. We'll keep doing that and hopefully we'll keep engaging with them and they'll keep liking it. Yes. When you made your first ever video, uh, last yeah. week we played the first ever video that was uploaded to YouTube. Amazing. And, it, and it, it starred one of the founders of YouTube. It was 19 seconds and it was him at a zoo. In a zoo, that's right. Because YouTube was, was originally intended to be a dating channel. And was then, it? Yeah, and what they discovered was... Really? Yeah, that the mechanism of it was actually um, more, more popular for loading up clips of any sort. And mm. they, they retained it and they still own it, or they're still shareholders in it, and it was YouTube. But when you made your first ever YouTube video, did you make it with a phone or a camera or, or what? We had a pretty solid camera set up, actually. It was a lot worse than the one we've got now. But um, we got a videographer in. Oh, so you did. We yeah. hired people to come and make right, it look right. really good. It still isn't good by our today's standards. <laughs> like, we've got a lot better. Yeah. But no, we did it properly. Yeah, the but, fir- the, but that sort of guerrilla fil- filming, you know, when, when the Beatles and uh, Elvis Presley, when they recorded their, their amazing albums, the, mm. it was a smaller studio. It was more things happening at once. It yeah. was, uh, you know, all very sort of, um, uh, very sort of almost Neanderthal. Um, yeah. You know, <laughs> did, did you find that there's, because you've got to try and keep that rawness, because that in a way is it's a bit wrong. It's a bit punk, yeah. isn't it? That's right. I mean, what we basically did was like it was top-down videos, so um, it was a bit grainy. It wasn't the best sort of camera ever, but I think the reason why they really resonated with people because people could imagine themselves cooking the yeah, dishes yeah. from that top sort of perspective. Quite Wayne's worldy in a way. Yeah, yeah a little bit like that. Do you yeah. Remember that first shoot? So we, yeah. we did. We spent three days in the flat that we lived in together. It was the hottest day of summer, mm-hmm. and we did three days back to back, twenty hours, twenty four hours, twenty seven hours, which doesn't make sense because we did the extra <laughs> All day. All I'm extra imagining long. is the smell. Oh, mate, it was big lights, five lads, and twenty recipes to film. So it was a really tough shoot, the first one. Yeah, but it was well worth it. Yeah. Set us in good stead. We're not shy of days, hard days work. Cooking on gas. Yeah. Well, of course, if you're working hard at something you love, the time flies by. Or, it or it can actually. Somebody said the other day, time doesn't necessarily fly by when you're having fun, but time just changes when you're having fun. It can go slower, mm. or it can go quicker. The point is, it's no longer clock time. It's it's psychological yeah, yeah. experience time. You get into flow. Flow, flow yeah. is exactly yeah. what it is. Everything just stops and you're not thinking about yeah. anything. Good mm. for you. <laughs> All right. And these two have known each other for ages uh, since they were kids and they're still, still together. Um, and they row all the time off air. But I mean, on the air, they're... <laughs> no, they don't. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky on Virgin Radio. If you're more lunch in your car over a Michelin star or more Crystal Palace than Buckingham Palace, then listen closely to our next guest. His new tour, Teacups and Tiaras, A History of Etiquette, starts next month. And here to clearly and concisely tell us all about it is the immaculate etiquette expert himself, William Hanson. Good morning, William. Good morning. Thank welcome, you very welcome. much for having me. How are you? I'm very well, Excellent thank you. posture, very beautifully turned out, almost the opposite of everyone else that, were, that is here at the moment, not works because you don't work here. It's a lovely colour sweater you're thank wearing. You, thank you very much indeed. Yes. Uh, thank you very much indeed. I do try it now and again, from a colour point of view, but that's about it. Uh, right, so first of all, let's get this Uber issue out of the way. What happened mm. with you and your Uber address? Yes, so I've just moved house, yep. and uh, a millennial sort of problem. I uh, was in town over the weekend. I fired up a, 
uh, it wasn't Uber, it was another uh, taxi app, popped in home, got in the car, was quite tired, wasn't really focusing on where, I'm, where I was going. And the driver said, is this all right, finally, after half an hour? And I looked around and it was my old address and I was so mortified. I just said, um, yes, yes, it's fine, it's fine, fine. Thank you so much, thank you. And got out and, and stood there for a few minutes thinking, oh, shoot. Um, and then eventually just then got another one. God so bless you. So it was an you. expensive trip uh, that why, day. why do we do that? I've done that, I've done that a thousand times where you just go, yeah, it's fine. No, this is so not fine. <laughs> a friend of mine once bought a car. Bought a car, which is the sort of the same as her old car, but just slightly, slightly newer, and just put home in the sat nav. And then the next oh, thing no. she knew, she she was ten miles away from Newcastle, and mm. she lives in Southwest London near me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I was driving home in Portugal uh, one night, and my cousin who lives there, uh, he was behind me. Um, and so he just followed me because we were staying at the same house, but he wasn't following me. He was following somebody else, and he ended up driving up there, driving, they called the police. They th- <laughs> anyway, so that's that. It happens to us all. That's made me feel better. Okay, good. Politeness, etiquette, manners. Um, the perfect storm. It, it, it can all be right and acceptable and, and worth doing or not at all. Um, yes. ne- never the twain shall meet or, or not. Yes, I think manners, manners and etiquette, Two, two similar words, not necessarily the same thing. Right. Uh, 90% of the time etiquette's correct, but actually sometimes in order to be more well-mannered, you have to break the rule of etiquette. Uh, but it, of course, it means that you need to know the rules. So when you do break them, you break them with style and panache. Uh, and my job as an etiquette coach, I mean, for the last sort of 12, 13 years, I've gone around teaching people, giving them confidence so they can go into social or professional situations and not panic about how to eat peas or how they should address somebody because they know. And so what's what's the most common thing that people worry about and want you to help them fix? Dining. I think it's anything to do with the table and eating because in the West we have made, especially in our part of the West, we have made dining quite difficult. We have thousands of pieces of different cutlery, we have different sized plates, <laughs> we have lots of different rules, but a lot of these rules go back to times from hundreds and hundreds of years ago. We still are following rules that were set 600, 700 years ago because we are not a country that started the day we were born. There is a history. And so when you get, when you do your stage show, yes, uh, is this is this teaching on mass then? Yes, this is this is a, a new it's like way. A seminar. Uh, well, yeah, it's a fun night out. It's, yeah. It is a show. I mean, I'm not going to sing or start dancing, so don't panic not about yet. that. Not yet. Not yet. Not on this one. But uh, yes, it's another way to uh, entertain and inform uh, the nation about the history of our slightly weird in, in places. But manners. we do love it, don't we? I mean, my, mm. my we we had a family discussion a couple of weeks ago about elbows on the table. Yes. Right now. I always put my elbows on the table and my wife had a go at the kids and has had a go at the kids for ages and ages and ages. And one um, moment, in a moment of madness, a couple of weeks ago, I, I brought this up. I said, you know, what, 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 what is wrong with the kids putting their elbows on the table? And in the end, to my great relief, she capitulated. said, well, I don't really know. I was just always told to do it by my nan and she mm. was great with manners and etiquette. Yes. And I said, but is there anything really wrong with it? Well, I, I think certainly, and it's slightly shifted, when there is food on the table now, absolutely not. Maybe at the end of a meal, it's it's if your host is doing it. But historically, we do that because the tables that in the mid- medieval, middle ages, that you were eating from, they were banqueting tables that were assembled just before the feast began and then cleared away because they were all in this sort of multi-purpose hall. 
and the tables were not secure. So if you put your elbows on the table, it would tip, and so it became the etiquette oh, to not put your see, elbows on the makes, table. But that's practical, isn't yes. it? Yes. Now, it is, that, that etiquette's still with us today, even though most of us have pretty secure, fixed <laughs> tables. <laughs> but I think we've had hundreds of generations sort of growing up knowing that actually it looks sort of wrong to have your elbows on the table. So there is still... I can understand your wife's uh, hatred of it. OK, no, so 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 can I felt it, actually, as well. And so, <laughs> OK, and what, what's like... Um, what's the holy grail of etiquette and or manners, would you say? Well, for me, some, certainly what, what irritates me is just the sort of people not getting the basics. You don't have to have gone to finishing <laughs> school or come to the show or whatever. It's just people not saying please and thank you. I love it, don't you? And yeah. sorry. And okay. gratitudes in short supply. Right, do you give lessons on how... How, how we may get our little ones to do that more. Yes, yes, I work with, with all ages. Do you? Yes, etiquette is applicable to everyone. So. I think when, whenever we get people on talking about anything to do with this, yes. um, you can apply it to parenthood, can't you? Oh, absolutely. So yes. give, come on then, give us some take-homes. Well, well my, I think really... Children will, first of all, as we know, as we all know, children will copy what their parents do at, at that in the in the in the early ages. Of course, we all know when they then become teenagers, what mum and dad do is is we do completely the opposite. But in in the formative years, actually having parents not putting elbows on the table or just eating nicely, seeing them write a thank you letter or whatever it happens to be, is is key. And actually, my grandmother um, gave me a book of etiquette when I was twelve. That's really why I'm sitting here today. So we we have my late granny to to thank for that. So. It, it can it doesn't quite you don't quite have to give etiquette books to children unless you desperately want to but i think it's important that, that they mimic children are mimics so if they see good manners they will be well mannered well they do say there's a great quote isn't that leadership is not is not about what to do it's about how to be yes that's good lead great leadership actually is how yeah. to be and then the Absolutely. Rest hopefully will fall in line after that exactly okay yes. can't believe you're only 29 well, I'm, I'm 30 now. Just, Are you? Just, okay, just but about. Thank you. Yes, All I know. Right. I know. I sound 75. But... No, you're just so, so, so consummate. You're so yeah. competent. You're very uh, kind. Have the Americans fallen in love with you at any point? I've done bits over there. I went over to do some work. I did a, a Guinness World Record where I had to teach a lot of Americans how to curtsy, and I got to uh, immigration, and they said, uh, "And and what what's your job?" And I said, "Oh, I'm an etiquette coach." And without missing a beat, the immigration officer said, "And do you feel guilty when people give you money to do that?" And I I said, no, not really. He said, well, welcome to America. And then I went. <laughs> the best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky on Virgin Radio. We have two genius podcasters with us now, and their names are Dave. They wage war on menopause, lift the lid on having teenage kids, and everything in between. Episode six of their podcast, Postcards from Midlife, is available <laughs> this Sunday, and they're recording a live podcast at Life Lessons Festival this very weekend. Please welcome the magazine editing masters, Lorraine Candy and Trish Halpin. Good morning, morning. ladies. Good morning. Okay, so how did you two get together uh, to enter and to enjoy the world of podcasting? Well, we've known each other nearly 30 years now, yes, I think, yeah, yeah since, right since the beginning of our careers. So we, um, we've spent the last kind of 10 years going through what I would call the perimenopause. Right. Thinking we were going completely mad. And yeah. um, there was something, kept forgetting everything, yeah. quite depressed, a bit anxiety. Is it like a sort of second part two of baby brain? Is it kind of that... I think it's much, much darker, oh, much it? darker oh, than okay. baby brain. Oh, okay. Yes, much darker than zipping toddlers into things. We podcast over a slightly boozy emotional dinner, didn't we? Yeah, <laughs> in yeah. Paris one, yeah, we uh, just thought... One fashion week. What's going on? What, what, why all these changes? Why, why is this happening to us? What's going on? Did a bit of research, realised there were lots of women talking about the same kind of thing, and there's not a lot of information out there for that 40 to 60 
part of women's lives and we wanted to just get the word out really. and it's bringing it's bringing things like mum's net to life these kind of conversations these kind of double acts and interviews and so one of the best ways to do a podcast like this is to set out an agenda uh, also you know sort of uh, create a community and then invite people on uh, for different takes on their own lives that may relate to other people's lives that are listening yeah it's personal stories and women telling it how they've experienced it which and, and there's not a lot about it. it's not a lot about it in the media there's not a lot about it on radio and we just thought this is a good place to tell mm. stories and it's kind of it's, it's about midlife as well isn't it it's yeah. not just about uh, that particular part of being a woman but it's it's everything that happens like to a us perfect storm uh, of just yeah, your, teenage, if you've got a parent hormones teenagers, are going over there their hormones are coming yeah. Here. You're all trying to live in one space, yeah, it's and you're trying to hold down a job and do all the yeah. things and that, you, that you're doing. You, you think you're getting a bit of your life back, but then are you or are you not yeah. getting? Uh, what, what, and by the way, what bits of this life? Oh, I've never had this life before, so I can't be getting it back. But it reminds yeah. me of something that I maybe once had. And also, you, you're thinking, in the time I've got left, now I might be halfway through in this pause bit, you know, am I, I'm never going to win an Olympic medal, I'm never going to do all these things, but I'm really going to make it count. But at the same time, you've got all this teenager family stuff happening And also well. ageing parents as well. That's, yep. We've had yeah. a lot of people contacting us about that. So we are, it's that phrase, isn't it, sandwich. The sandwich generation. You're, you're, surra- to do you're surrounded by um, challenges and opportunities. Yes. And or opportunities. That's yeah, the thing, exactly. isn't it, I suppose. So how do you, how do you hone on the people you want to talk to. I know you've had some amazing guests already. So, so how do you get them? Where do they come from? What do they talk about? We, we wanted them to tell their own personal stories, um, not not just about the perimenopause, but about, you know, being... We had a lady who had 10 children um, on, and we've had Louise Wenner from uh, Sleeper On, yeah, yeah. who's going back on tour. Very interesting, that story, yeah. Louise's story, mm-hmm. isn't it? Yeah, and I think we just wanted... We knew women were talking about it, and we wanted other women to come and tell us their stories. It, that That's the community we're building. And I think being, because we're journalists, we always have an angle, so... Um, you know, we, we've got this trained into us. So each of those yeah. women, we will um, go in on a particular angle. So Louise, it was this idea. She's back out on the road with her band Sleeper. She was a huge rock star in her 20s. And Wearing it's this idea of le- leopard print. Yeah. And it's like, well, you know, how how does she feel? She, you know, p- portrayed as a kind of sex symbol in her 20s. What kind of response is she now getting in her 50s? She's still wearing leather skirts and you know all of that and looking absolutely brilliant so we want to talk about specific um pertinent things with these women as well and be funny and humorous and celebrate the joy of the next bit of our lives yeah of course because i mean you know uh, when you count your the rest of your potential days in summers and christmases it really focuses the mind not to do that i think it it really helps (laughs) it makes me really melancholy and sad no but well initially Yes. yes, so that's the short-term emotion. So emotions are useful short-term as springboards to 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 have a look at what you might be yeah. able to mm-hmm. apply from a lot more, you know, long form. Um, and I think that helps. Well, I think it helps. Also, so it gets you going. It gets you going, and then when you've got someone to talk to about it, and then you realise other women are talking about it, it just spurs you on a bit. I think mm-hmm. we're trying to make it light-hearted as well. It's not kind of you know, it's not intense and serious. No, it's quite oh, we have a little we have a little segment at the end where we we, we call it nostalgia noodling, where yes. we look back yeah. on all the the kind of stuff that um, you know from our childhoods and uh, teen years, and you know because we were the we were the ones going to see Oasis originally, and yeah. we were going to Glastonbury. We were doing all of these things. So so it's quite fun to look back on some of the, the funny little I think it's a really interesting well. time because, you know, um, if you think about the 60s and about where, what went on in the 60s, and we were just being born then, mm-hmm. we? Yeah. so we didn't yep. witness the 60s, but we were a product of the 60s, mm-hmm. which is quite interesting. Yeah. We are a product yeah. of the 60s. So the second best thing to being there to witness the 60s is being a product of the 60s. Yeah.
And then because we, we had that sort of liberated experience in the 70s, you know, p- post-World War II, and our mums and dads were enjoying this rainbow that they thought they may never see, um, then there was, there's, we were born out of positivity. We were born out of optimism. And for us to now be middle-aged and for things to be going on in and around the world that you know as they are, we might be, um, we might not be, but we might be the generation who gets the fact that we have to fix this because that's where we came from. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And before yeah. that, this generation never existed mm. because you didn't need that optimism because, well, some ter- lots of terrible things had happened, but not to the extent that they did in the first half of the 20th century. But that's what's so brilliant about having teenagers. They're kind of relentlessly passionate about stuff. I mean, they whether they know the facts or not, they just it's just brilliant having them in the room talking about how they are going to fix it. Well, mine are like that, yeah. They think they're going to fix this mess Because you're their mum, that's why yeah. you're a brilliant mum. <laughs> now, what you also did at the end of your podcast is you, you list things that are particularly pertinent uh, on your radar at the moment. Mm-hmm. So things like what, for example... Oh my gosh, all sorts of... Well, Megan Rossi we had on because I've know. been trying her... Um, I've been doing the guts. I mean, Trisha's very healthy and very good at cooking. <laughs> We're like the opposite personality. So she'll always have something quite good domestic-wise yeah. and I'll always have some mad thing, open water swimming. A lot of the I've books that we read as well. Um, books, I talked about records, a friend yeah. giving me this lovely little uh, book about Ikigai, which I think you're quite into, Yeah, no, Chris. I, love it. I love that and book. It's a little that blue book, a little, isn't it? little blue book. Yeah, oh, I love book. it. By the bed. It's on the bedside table. Yeah. Pick that up and read that, which is all about finding your purpose yeah. and value and And enjoying and the process and not worrying exactly. about the end, just enjoying the means. So, and... Yeah, so it's just sharing little, nice little things that, that might be helpful, might be useful to yeah. other people, you know, might move people along a bit. Yeah, good, good. Uh, so, so the next six episodes, so you're halfway through. Congratulations. Yeah. It's half time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not <laughs> been fired. No <laughs> swearing. How does it feel? You can swear on podcasts. Can you can. swear on podcasts? Of course you can. I didn't know that. You told me well, I couldn't swear on podcasts. Well, yeah, you absolutely sure. can. I mean, that's what I mean. You know, if you listen to Joe Rogan's podcast, that's the reason that lots of the superstars go on there because they can have oh, a normal conversation. Swear. Okay, we'll do not, some not swearing. Not... We're going to do some swearing. Maybe, <laughs> not on, maybe not at life lessons on Saturday. We'll do a list for me of words I can and cannot use, won't you? The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky on Virgin Radio. Thank you so much for listening to this, the podcast of the Virgin Radio Breakfast Show. Don't forget you can subscribe and get it every week from wherever you get your podcast and you will never miss the weekly roundup of all the best bits from our Virgin Radio Breakfast Show with Sky.